0: Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Today we're talking about two of the ten most popular backyard garden vegetables to grow, sweet peppers and hot peppers. We talk with noted hot chili pepper expert Dave DeWitt. Besides offering up tips on how to grow hot peppers, Dave has the remedy for what to swallow after you've bitten down on a pepper that's just too hot. And no, it's not water or beer, and it's not milk. And we get questions about sweet pepper problems. Our favorite retired college horticulture professor, Debbie Flower, tackles the case of the falling flowers from pepper plants. If that sounds familiar, give us a listen. It's all part of episode 25 of Garden Basics with Farmer Fred. And we're going to do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Do you like hot peppers? If you do, you need to know how to grow them right. To get the best, and we are talking to the best when it comes to pepper information. It's Dave DeWitt. Dave DeWitt is a food historian and one of the foremost authorities in the world on chili peppers, spices, and spicy foods. He has all sorts of best selling books on the subject. He's got the pepper garden, the hot sauce bible, the chili pepper encyclopedia, the spicy food lovers Bible the complete chili pepper book, and he even has a habanero cookbook. So we know we're talking to the right guy. Dave DeWitt, it's a pleasure talking with you again. We haven't talked in a while. We should point out it takes a long time to grow a quality chili pepper plant. And as you mentioned, yes, uh, you should be starting seed. I know around here you start seeds around January just to get them up to a size where you could transplant them in April. But uh, as I said, uh, a lot of nurseries still have a pretty good selection of uh, pepper plants. And I'm amazed at the amount of hot pepper plants that are available now. It used to be mostly sweet peppers. And now I think the majority, at at least around here, are hot pepper plants. But if people want the best selection of hot pepper plants, they really need to do it from seed, don't they? Because that's where you're going to find the widest
1: variety. Or or order early uh, from chiliplants.com. And they have 500 different varieties of chili plants, and they're very dependable and very good. But you have to order a minimum of six, just depending on the size of the plants. Uh, they're a little bit pricey, but they come in very uh, good containers. And uh, But they're probably sold out by now, I would think, because it's so popular. But if you want super superhots, uh, the Bujalokias and the... Um, scorpions and that sort of thing you're gonna to have to grow them from seed or
0: let's talk a little uh-huh. bit about um, the hot pepper plants and um, taste buds because a lot of people okay. think they like hot peppers but what what i find with a lot of the really hot peppers, it's mostly heat and not much flavor, whereas some of the more moderately hot pepper plants have excellent taste. Now, I would think over the years, right. since you're in New Mexico, you've probably been eating chili peppers your entire life. You're probably a bit inured to um, <laughs> heat. But I, I would think that you would uh, could rattle off some names of some really tasty hot pepper plants.
1: The habanero would be a good selection because the habanero... Um, is a hot. It was the start of the superhots. Used to be called the hottest chili pepper in the world before the superhots from Trinidad were uncovered, and so you can still find them. I mean, if Albertsons here carries them in their produce department—not the bedding plants, but of course the pods. And so, and but they're you know they're not as hot as you would imagine, but still eighty thousand Scoville heat units is hot, and uh, if that's what they are. Uh, they go up to 200,000, but uh, most of them aren't, aren't nearly that hot. You know, it all depends on, um, you're not going to just pop these in your mouth and chill them up. Uh, so there's going to be some dilution of the heat level as you cook with them. And uh, if you, for example, if you make a, uh, a big bunch of fresh salsa and you put one habanero in there um, and say you have four cups of salsa, that would be about right. Um, and the heat level would be hot, but it wouldn't be killer, and you would still be able to um, you know, uh, have a, a good flavor because habaneros are very fruity, and they have a apricot-like flavor. By the way, the taste buds have nothing to do with perception of, of heat. All mammals are born with capsaicin receptors, which are separate from taste buds. Taste buds measure salty, sweet, uh, umami, and uh, that sort of thing, but they don't measure the heat. The heat comes from genetics and the capsaicin receptors in our mouth and tongue. And uh, it was thought that the hot peppers came about to prevent mammals from eating the the pods and digesting the seeds. Birds do not digest the seeds. They pass right through the birds. Um, So they're a good, you know, disseminator. And they were the original disseminators before mankind of chili pepper plants when chili pepper plants were wild and unnecessary. And they operate the same way that the taste buds operate in the sense that it's all genetic. There are super tasters and non-tasters with with taste buds. You know, people who have a lot of them um, are super tasters, are overwhelmed by things that are salty and sweet and that sort of thing. Um, And the same thing happens with the capsaicin receptors. If you were born with a lot of capsaicin receptors, then um, you're going to be very super sensitive to the heat levels of peppers.
0: Give us some first aid tips for people who accidentally eat a pepper that is a little too hot for them. Uh, I know water is a mistake.
1: (laughs) Right. The capsaicin is not miscible with water, so it doesn't do any good um, to try to do water. But dairy products, especially the thicker, heavier, the better. We're talking yogurt. We're talking about ice cream. We're talking about sour cream. Those are very good at cutting the heat because they have a a protein called casein, C-A-S-E-I-N. And that will strip the, the molecules, capsaicin molecules, off your mouth and tongue. And so that's the best thing to do. So if, if you you know, if you overdose on super hot peppers and you have too much capsaicin, rinsing your mouth with very thick and the thicker the better milk remember, two percent milk is ninety eight percent water. So keep that in mind when you, if you if you're thinking about using milk, don't use milk. It's useless. Heavy cream would be good, and ice cream, as, as I said, yogurt and sour cream are all good for combating the, the very super hot peppers if you get too much. And you hear all kinds of of things like you drink enough beer, you won't you won't mind how hot it is, and stuff like that. But beer in itself is you know ninety some percent water, so <laughs> just keep those things in mind when you're um, when you're trying to dilute the heat. Now, water and beer and all that kind of stuff will seem like it's working, but the heat returns. In other words, it'll be momentarily the cooling factor will help, but then it'll come back to you. So I say dairy products are the only answer. People will tell you, oh, put some lemon juice on it or put some salt on it or blah, blah, blah. None of that works. It's all mythology.
0: I like the idea of having a freezer full of ice cream just in case.
1: That's 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 very good. and. Uh, the sweet seems to help a little bit as well.
0: Let's talk about some basics for growing the best hot chili peppers. Uh, what sort of conditions? What sort of soil? Uh, what do they like to really thrive?
1: The The main the main thing is that they don't like to sit in water. They don't want the, their, their roots. If the roots sit in water, they'll either get a, a fungal disease called Phytophora or they'll just drown because... The roots supply oxygen um, as well as supplying water. And if, if, if the roots are completely submerged, um, they, they won't be able to supply any oxygen to the roots. So the roots will die. The plant will die. And so um, make sure, that, you know, no matter how you do it, if you do it in containers especially, make sure that they're well-drained. And so I always add perlite to, to my garden because perlite, vermiculite, absorbs water. And keeps things very wet. Perlite does not absorb water. It just loosens the soil so that the water will pour through the soil. You have to water a little bit more, and that, of course, will cost you more money. At least your plants will be healthy.
0: How many hours a day of sun do peppers need?
1: Well, they need full sun for the most part. And so we're we're talking, that you know, 10, 12 hours a day. Chili peppers are immune to the day-night cycle so it doesn't matter to them. When it starts getting into the fall, that's when chili peppers are not like that. Um, they, will, they will keep flowering as long as they don't reach their fruit load. And that's what um, uh, chili plants do, and tomatoes do too. There's a certain amount of fruit that can be on the plant, and once they the plant can't support any more of the fruits on the plant, then the flowering shuts down.
0: What sort of fertilizer do uh, chili peppers need?
1: Well, I said th- I th- what, for vegetative growth they need um, you know high nitrogen, but you don't want to overdo it. If if you if you, you over fertilize with nitrogen, chili peppers you'll get all foliage and no no pods at all, and that's happened to a lot of gardeners, especially people who use urea. And uh, that's one of the things I wanted to mention. Um, I, I screwed up and uh, did not. Realized that the salts were building up in, in my uh, raised beds where I was growing my tomatoes and uh, and chili plants, and the first uh, indication I had was when my yield went down from a couple of hundred pounds of of uh, say tomato uh, plant uh, tomatoes um, to a, just a few a few pounds. And I'm thinking, what the hell? So I had my soil tested, and I would recommend everybody have their garden soil tested. If you're growing in pots it's not too bad because you can you know you can switch out the soil every year. But if you have an extensive garden with raised beds, it's hard to switch out your soil every year. and you can rotate, but rotation has nothing to do with the salts building up. And what happens is as you water, if the water has salts in it, it will accumulate the soil. And uh, that happens in the West, especially. I sent my soil off to be tested, and the reason that my yields were going down was because they were the salts of all kinds were booming. I'm not not talking about just table salts. I'm talking about all the combination of salts that there are, and there's dozens and dozens of different salt combinations that can build up in your soil. The only way to get rid of that, if you have raised beds, is to flood the raised beds um, with just bunches of water, which is going to cost you money. But... It's better to flood them, and the the salts will dissolve and flow out the bottom of the raised beds. And so, what I'm doing now every year is, at the end of the season, I just flood, flood irrigate. Even when the plants are gone, I just keep flooding them. And I sent my soil off this year; there were no salts um, in my soil. So now my plants are doing great again. So, you know, just keep that in mind that salt buildup. It interferes with the, the plants taking in the nutrients for foliage and for fruiting. Be aware of what I say about the salt buildup, um, uh, and pay pay attention to it. Have your soil tested every year. That would be my advice. And the uh, extension services can do that. I used uh, Colorado State University. They, they were they have a really good testing lab. It's not very expensive, and they give you a complete report that looks like a scientific paper almost telling you exactly what your garden need and they'll give you advice and I thought I knew a lot about gardening but I didn't I wasn't I wasn't paying close enough attention to my soil and so that was the big lesson I learned you know you can get the best varieties you can buy the, the best bedding plants and all that kind of stuff it doesn't matter it's all useless if your soil is building up salts.
0: Two of the uh, things you mentioned about a successful pepper plant to keep it at moderate nitrogen levels and watch out for salt buildup, that's a good argument for using organic fertilizers because organic fertilizers are very low in salts and they generally have uh, a nitrogen content of less than 10 percent, but they also have the uh, phosphorus and the potassium that the plant would need for fruiting.
1: I agree with what you're saying.
0: Talk a little bit about uh, something that you touched on, and it makes sense for people who want to uh, have a long-lasting hot pepper plant. You mentioned growing peppers in containers, and you mentioned the fact that in tropical areas, they they become trees, uh, they live through the winter. This is a good idea if people want to keep that hot pepper plant going, is grow it in a container and then move it to a warm spot if they live in a cold winter area, and then bring it back out again come spring.
1: Yes, you can do that, and uh, most people say, well, there's not enough light. Well, you're not going to get fruits all year long. I have a greenhouse, so and I have tropical plants um, like hibiscus and so forth that I put on my patio during the summer, bring them in, um, and they all have to be pruned back, and, and chili plants are no exception to that. But, you know, if you, if you take a chili plant that's in a container – and put it outside during the summer and bring it back um, inside during the winter. It doesn't have to have all that much light. Put it in a southern exposed window and so forth like that. All you're trying to do is keep the plant alive. You're not trying to grow fruits because that'll come in the summer. Now, I'm sure there's some exceptions to the rule if, if, you know, people have a really good greenhouse operation. The difference between summer light intensity and winter light intensity is incredible. You you hardly even notice it for a plant. I'm telling you that it's just a complete difference. The, the way the sun is in the sky, you don't get the full intensity of, of the light like you do in the summertime. So,
0: With the hot pepper plants that you've grown that you've overwintered, on in year number two, do you get hot peppers quicker?
1: Uh, no. As a matter of fact, your yield would be less usually. Mm. Um, there's a certain, uh, even though these plants are perennials, They've been bred for so long to be annuals that the problem is uh, vigor, and a lack of vigor as the plant gets older. It seems like the larger the pod, the less vigor the plants have. The smaller potted plants, like if you're growing pekins or um, chiltepines or something like that, they seem to have more vigor as they, as they grow older. But uh, the larger potted plants don't, like the New Mexico uh, chilies and so forth like that, lose vigor a lot.
0: Okay, that's a that's a good tip. That uh, if you want to overwinter your uh, chili pepper plants, the smaller potted versions have a better chance for success in year two than uh, the larger potted varieties. Exactly. We've been talking with Dave DeWitt, author of several great pepper books like The Pepper Garden, The Hot Sauce Bible, The Chili Pepper Encyclopedia, The Spicy Food Lover's Bible, The Complete Chili Pepper Book, and a lot more. Check it out at his website, DaveDeWitt.com. Dave, thanks for a few minutes of your time today.
1: Okay, Fred, good talking to you as usual.
0: We recently held a contest for those who left comments about the Garden Basics podcast at their podcast provider. And congratulations to Carrie of California. She's the winner of Smart Pot's six foot long bed. That's a long lasting fabric container large enough to hold over 10 cubic feet of soil. It's enough room to grow a couple of tomato plants and a couple of pepper plants or one fantastic display of summer flowers. For more information about all of SmartPots' fabric containers, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. We're talking peppers today with Debbie Flower, our favorite retired horticultural college professor. And Debbie, people are losing blossoms on their pepper plants. John writes in, we don't know where John is writing from. People, if you send us an email, tell us where you live because all gardening is local. Thank you very much. Uh, John writes in and says, When those pepper flowers are open, I pollinate by hand, and sometimes as I'm brushing the flower, it falls off. My first guess is that I'm overwatering them. Please give me your opinion.
2: If he's guessing he's overwatering, then I think he should look into that first, figure out you know, how deeply his water is, is penetrating into his soil. Potentially he should put some water less often and put some mulch on top of the soil so he can water even less often than that. Uh, But it's you're right, we don't know where he's from, and that that makes it somewhat difficult to uh, answer his question. But there are some real basic things that that cause peppers to drop their flowers. And in order for them to form fruit, they have to first have a flower. The flower has to be pollinated, which means pollen has to uh, enter the uh, stigmatic surface. These are you know technical names you don't really need to know. But pollen has to move from the anther to the stigmatic surface, travel down there, unite with the um, the ovum in that flower, and form a baby basically. And the baby is the fruit that we eat. The pollination peppers are are generally self pollinating. They do benefit from having. Uh, a pollinator, a thing that brings the pollen from one flower to another one. And that's the job that John was tasking himself with by uh, doing the pollination. The three things that I think of that come to mind why those flowers would fall off would be that they're not getting pollinated. Actually, there's four things. Uh, They're not getting pollinated, which is kind of actually really temperature dependent. And that's one of the four things. Temperature. They grow best. They pollinate best. They make fruit best between the temperatures of 58 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: That's a very nice range, but un- unpractical. Unpracticable. Right. Unpractical. Right.
2: <laughs> Impractical. Yes.
0: Thank you. That's the word.
2: <laughs> yes. And also, if, if nighttimes get temperatures uh, stay above 75 degrees Fahrenheit, which happens in humid Uh, temperate zone places so sometimes it would happen let's say in New Jersey when I lived there then they will not uh, also will not uh, pollinate the flowers so the, the they are very temperature dependent and that's very common in many of the things that we grow in the vegetable garden that the setting of these fruit the pollination and the setting of the fruit is very much temperature dependent if the temperature's wrong if there's the pollen is not moving for some reason if there's too much nitrogen. Uh, fertilizer in the soil. Nitrogen is for green growth, and that if there's too much of it compared to other nutrients in the soil, then the plant will uh, stop making fruit and revert to just becoming a nice big bushy green thing. And the other is irregular watering, which is too much or too little watering. Well, that's three things. Three things. Well, four was the Fourth one was the pollination, but you're right; it's really part of the temperature.
0: Yeah. Okay. Can I because add
2: another they are self-pollinating? I, sure.
0: I can add another one. I think. Mm-hmm. Is the plant getting sun or is it in full shade?
2: Oh, good point. Good point. Yes, they do need sun to grow, and without it, they won't. If you've ever had a plant that flowers and you, you plant it in the a shady spot in the yard, you don't get flowers. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't produce enough energy in the green parts of the plant in order to produce the flower flowers and fruit in most cases do not make their own food and peppers sweet peppers are often green when we eat them those are actually unripe peppers you can if you leave a pepper on the plant it will change color to yellow and then to red although there are varieties that will change to other colors like purple and orange
0: and they get sweeter uh, but
2: And they get sweeter, yes. And The uh, pepper gets a little bit softer as well. At that point, when it's green, it will make some food, but not enough to support itself. So that pepper, that fruit, and that flower, which is white, are relying on the green parts of the plant to feed it so that it can grow, so that it can exist. And if the plant is, for any reason, unable to make enough food to support this additional structure, then it'll drop the structure. Uh, To save the rest of the plant
0: So it isn't a case of of John He he mentions brushing the flower He's not brushing it so hard He's knocking the flower off That flower was ready to fall off
2: That's what I'm assuming Mm. Uh, Flowers and fruit are typically uh, Hard to remove If they're not ready to come off That's a good test for uh, Like fruit Trees Uh, If you can't remove the peach easily, then the peach is probably not completely ripe yet.
0: If the flower can pollinate itself, Mm -hmm. I I would think there would have to be some sort of momentum, if you will, to move that pollen from within the flower. It's not a case of having to move the pollen from one flower to another flower. That single flower has both the male and female parts so that it could fertilize itself without any help from the outside, correct?
2: Correct. Correct. Yes, correct. All right. But, but it I would still think- has two different structures in it. Right. And pollen is only ripe for a short while of a few minutes, maybe a few hours in one day. And the stigmatic surface where that pollen has to move to is only receptive, will only accept the pollen for a short period of time. And so the, you want those two things in order for the flower to pollinate itself. Those two things have to happen at the same time. And that's where temperature comes in. When the temperature is too low, the parts grow at a, at a different rate, and they uh, the pollen ripens at a, at a different time than the stigmatic surface is ready to receive it. When it's too hot, the other way around. The parts grow too fast, they grow right past each other before. They are uh, One is they are both ready before the stigmatic surface is receptive and the pollen is also ready to be moved. It's, the temperature regulates the rate of the activity in that flower, and if it happens in the right rate, then you get a fruit. If it happens at the wrong rate, cold temperatures mean slower, warm temperatures mean faster. If it happens at the wrong rate, then the flower does not pollinate.
0: I would think that there has to be some sort of momentum for the male part of the flower to get to the female part of the flower. And I would think in normal situations, it would be a wind or a breeze might be able to do that. But if that pepper plant is so crammed in with other plants that the the wind can't get through them, that might inhibit that pollination.
2: Yes, that's very true. Uh, Movement, plants are, are native to outdoors and they are used to moving in the wind and when animals brush past them and all that sort of stuff. And so, yes, if they're jammed in there and can't move, then that movement won't happen. And that movement is helpful to uh, the pollination, to the transfer of pollen. Having insects visit the flowers to get the nectar, which is typically what they want. They Uh, happen to transfer pollen, but they're there for the nectar. Having insects there shakes the plant as well. Spacing the plants correctly, and peppers should be about 18 inches apart. If you're going to keep them a long time, you may want them three feet apart because they can grow to be be very large plants. So you want to space them so that they get enough sun, space them so they get enough air movement, and that also helps preventing uh, diseases like leaf spot diseases. And you want to... um, have things around flowers, preferably like zinnias, for instance, uh, flowers that attract uh, other the insects that will come and look for the nectar. They're not necessarily pepper pollinators, but when they're in there looking for the nectar, they're shaking that plant around, and that's helpful.
0: I think when you actually buy pepper plants or you start pepper plants from seed on the instruction packets, it will tell you how far apart those particular plants should be spaced. In fact, let me yeah. reach over here. Ah, come over here to my box of seeds. And let me find the my stack of pepper seeds. Oh, parsnips. I got to plant those. And here's a packet from Renee's garden of her sweet bell peppers. And uh, very extensive instructions on the back of the packet. And in Renee's garden pepper uh, packets, they mentioned to plant out two to two and a half feet apart into rich soil in full sun. So that seems reasonable. Wow. T- two to two and a half feet. Is, is she's not the taskmaster master you are with three feet, uh, <laughs> and, 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 nor is she the you know the, the lenient father like I am who plants peppers eighteen inches apart, wishing now I had planted them two feet apart.
2: I read some advice that suggested start them out uh, at eighteen inches apart, and then uh, if you if you have a long growing season uh, and these peppers are going to mature into big plants, remove every other one halfway through the season.
0: Oh, yeah, like somebody's going to
2: do that. Right. It, it's a it's a very difficult thing to do because you have this lovely producing plant to just go in and whack it out. So uh, and spacing may also depend on where you are. Uh, in very, very hot places, I like to plant the peppers more uh, close together because they shade each other. And a, and a problem with peppers in a hot, sunny place is that they can become sunburned. In places that are more humid and don't get quite as hot, then I uh, space them further apart because you want the air to flow through and dry the leaves off. So it depends. The spacing can depend on where you are.
0: Well, on that note, I'm going to plant this packet of parsnip seeds that I just found while looking for the pepper seed package because I see parsnips are supposed to go in the ground in July. This is where you say that. that, That's right, Fred. Yes.
2: (laughs) I wasn't sure you wanted me to say anything. Yeah,
0: okay, yeah. <laughs> Debbie Flower, we solved somebody's pepper problems, I think. Thanks for your help on this.
2: Oh, you're so welcome.
0: Thank you for listening to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. I appreciate your ears. How about a subscription? You can get the podcast wherever podcasts are given away, such as Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, and many more.